Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club, if you're the only person in your book club who read the previous book in a series, and so you got the other person to read that book so that they would understand the book that you're reading currently, and also if books don't reward you enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman's. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking briefly... About Xenoblade Chronicles 2, a game that was released in 2017 on the Nintendo Switch, was developed by Monolith Soft and published by Nintendo. Yeah, this is going to be our our first bonus episode in like three years. It's been a good Uh, bit. So yeah, Chad has played Xenoblade 2 in preparation for 3, which we're going to be doing on the cast, but we decided that we wanted to like touch base with two before we talked about three so that's why this exists yeah i think it serves a dual purpose one if you are a listener of the podcast and and somebody who has played the xenoblade games this can act as kind of a refresher on what xenoblade 2 was uh Mm -hmm. all about and a primer (laughs) and a primary and also it's gonna keep us from making the xenoblade 3 episode either one half a xenoblade 2 episode or four fucking hours long. Um, it will still probably be too long, uh, and this v- runs the risk of being too long, but we have put a hard cap on ourselves uh, and are going to try not to go over 45 minutes. Yeah. Is this always uh, something I think about when we talk about doing other Kingdom Hearts games? I'm always like, I'm just going to spend 10 minutes talking about <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 1. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to know where <laughs> yeah. everybody comes so, from. Yeah, we got to air, we got to air it out here. Yeah, so we might do this in the future for uh, other sequels if uh, we deem it necessary. If this proves to be a valuable experience. Mm-hmm. So to get out of the way real quick, uh, if you are just here for a refresher, I guess uh, we should talk about the plot of Xenoblade Two. I have a central idea that I want to discuss as far as, like, how I feel about the game itself after having played it, Um, but before we get into it, I think it makes sense to kind of go over what actually happens. Uh, That way, if you played the first game, and then you can re-listen to that episode if you want to, and then this one, and then you can go into the third one with an understanding of what the second game was all about. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in the second game, the protagonist is a kid named Rex. Uh, He's a little gremlin boy who is a salvager Mm -hmm. uh, and is a kid in, like, the actual human kid sense, uh, unlike a lot of the races in this game that just are kids but are older. Mm -hmm. Um, And he runs into some of those also, but uh, he gets recruited onto this mission to go find a very a very old ship that has crashed like a submarine or whatever yeah uh and you're gonna need to check a xenoblade index because i'm not gonna explain the terms like salvager that one's a little bit self-explanatory uh or the cloud to see but that's where they go uh into the cloud sea they jump in and while they're there they discover this lady who is uh, dressed in a comical fashion mm-hmm. uh, and is in suspended animation. Uh, the guy, Jin, who has hired Rex, stabs him straight through the heart, uh, and he dies. And then he goes to heaven, uh, which is populated by one girl and mm-hmm. a tree, 
Um, and she gives up half her life force to him in order to save his life and also to accomplish her goals, uh, which, as we'll find out, are to go to Elysium, which that realm you were just in is a representation of. Mm-hmm. Then, like, the game happens. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the prologue. That's the prologue. The whole game, as far as plot goes, uh, like, what is necessary to know for the third game... I don't think we need to get super deep into that here. We can do that during the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gallivant around all rest and go to a bunch of different Titans and help people and save people and kill bad people. Uh, Your classic fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you discover that, that Pyra is a blade known as the Aegis, and we will get into all of that. Mm-hmm. Um and has a second split personality who created Pyra to face the world because she didn't want to because she was fucking tired uh, and hated everything. She didn't want to be recognized as well. Yeah, and because she may have caused like large-scale destruction across the entire planet uh, during the Aegis Wars, which is like a regular war, but <laughs> with big laser beams from space. Yes. Uh so they go through their adventures now that uh, Mithra, the other half of the Aegis Blade, uh, has come out and shown herself. Uh, they get captured by Jin later, who is uh, even more of an asshole than you suspected from the beginning. Uh, it turns out that one of his traveling companions, Malos, is the other Aegis Blade who was a part of the Aegis War. Uh, and then you go to save him. Mm-hmm. You do, and the, uh, you destroy a big monster, <laughs> uh, and in order to save the world, uh, Pyra, who has now merged with Mithra into the ultimate Aegis form of Numea, uh, sacrifices herself in order to save the world. Uh, you discover that the that Klaus from Xenoblade Chronicles 1 uh, exists in both worlds as a half-man. Uh, and in this particular one, he's being eaten alive by kind of a black hole. Uh, and <laughs> then you leave the space station. I me- didn't mention you went to a space station, but you yeah, did. Yeah, Elysium is the world tree. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it is actually like a giant spire with a satellite on top of it or whatever uh Uh, yeah and then you leave and you end up with pyra's core crystal which then becomes pyra and mithra as two separate people Mm -hmm. uh and that's where the game ends uh do you think that was a reasonable summary for the large-scale plot uh i think so yeah it, notably, it has been a much longer since you've played this game. Yeah, yeah I than played I it have. when it came out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that sounded right to me. Hell yeah, <laughs> I got it in one. Yeah, uh, so, they yeah, won't but... know that I edited out ten <laughs> takes. Uh... So where do you want to jump in? All of that being said, yeah, uh, yeah. If you're just here for the plot summary, there it is. You probably could have read it on Wikipedia. I hope I was funnier <laughs> than a Wikipedia article. Um, so my main concept for this episode is essentially let's all about blades. Let's talk about blades. Uh, what are they? Um, and how do they impact the story? And then what do they do for you? Which is where we talk about the mechanics of the game. 
Uh, because my takeaway from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is that it did a lot of the same stuff that Xenoblade Chronicles 1 did, but worse. Uh, and <laughs> there are certain elements of it that I think are unique and cool, and those are all centered around the blades and what they do. Um, so I did mention the Aegis, uh, Pyron Mithra, uh, Rex doesn't have, or did, did not know whether he had the aptitude to awaken blades, which are more common. And so when he bonded with Pyra in the first moments of the game, uh, it kind of introduces the whole concept to you and also to him, which I think is a good way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, the, <laughs> the downside of it is that blades get real confusing and deep very quickly, and Pyre is like a big exception to it, which I think hurts your understanding of what they are <laughs> a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, the game forces you at one point to awaken just a regular core crystal, which will be this like some generic dude thing, thing. yeah, <laughs> with a weapon that you may or may not have ever seen before. Uh, and it makes the combat from the very beginning of the game feel really awkward and stilted. Uh, because you've got, like, multiple characters to switch between in the fight in the form of the Blades, in addition to the character that you choose to actually play as. And it takes a lot of understanding before the combat gets any good. Yeah, it, it starts out, like, to my memory, feeling like playing a very complicated card game without a full deck. <laughs> um, it's both simultaneously, like, a little bit overwhelming and... Um. Yeah, it's it just like yeah, overwhelming and like not complex enough. It's it fits in a weird spot where you have so few, you have so many things that you can't do yet, but then at the same time, it feels really complicated. So it, it's like one of the biggest things I think um, that I think Xenoblade One had this problem too, but like less so, and Xenoblade Two is the worst about it. Um, is the tutorializing. Mm -hmm. It feels like you play a little chunk of the game and then there's a tutorial. And every tutorial feels like it's like complex and you have to like sit there and think about it for a second to wrap your head around it. Um, and you'll be like 20 hours into the game and it will still be explaining stuff to you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's just a lot of moving parts to the combat system. Yeah, and I think that calling out the tutorials is a great place to start because the game chose not to start there for some reason. Um, there are a lot of core concepts that are common among all of... There's a lot of core crystal concepts mm -hmm. that are common to all three games. Um, and X, probably. Yeah. I've played very limited amounts of that game. Um, but that don't get explained. Like, immediately in, in 2. Um, you are unable to perform, like, the break topo combo until Uriah, which is the third titan you go to. Admittedly, the the first titan is just, like, a bazaar and mm. just has, like, a few, uh, like, story things that happen. But you have to go all the way through the gourmet titan mm -hmm. before you actually get to the place where you learn and you don't get it to like the end of it yeah uh and that's like one of the most core parts of combat in this entire franchise is uh is combos setting up 
chains of attacks that will uh, let you deal more damage and make the enemy deal less damage to you. Mm-hmm. It is the bread and butter of the Xenoblade combat system. Yeah. It's toppling. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and you just don't learn it until, like, ten hours into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's just one instance of it, because, like, a lot of stuff doesn't get explained well. They explain uh, blade... <laughs> See, I'm already confused, but I think blade combos, mm-hmm. which are where you're, you can use a special move, which charge up as you use arts. Hopefully you're following along mm-hmm. uh, at home. As you use arts, it charges a special meter that can go up to level four, but naturally only goes to level three. You can only get level four when you have max blade affinity. Uh, You're now understanding why it is so hard, why the need for tutorials is so great. Uh, And then when you use the attack, you can then follow it up with a special of a higher level from a different uh, blade in order to, uh, or the same blade, uh, as long as it's of a higher level, to work your way down this tree that terminates in, like, a big special move. And it tells you about this before you have two parties. <laughs> you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you could only do the single stage blade combo uh, when it tutorializes it. And it makes it really fucking... It, you just forget about it. And then when they mention blade combos, you go, I don't know, is that, like, an art combo? Is that... When I do the special moves, is it a chain attack? It's it. They use terminology and it gets confusing because of the distance between when it's taught to you and when it's actually applicable. Yeah, yeah, that's a good little detail you hit on there. Is uh, they use all these this jargon. There's mm-hmm. a lot of word salad <laughs> in addition to it being complicated. Yeah, so there's all this terminology that's hard to keep straight as well. And this is all. Just to say, like, it's hard to understand. The combat is probably the best thing about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it keeps it, it hides it away from the player. Yeah, I think that's something um, that 3, I think, has gone a long way to, like, smooth out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's been a problem for the whole franchise <laughs> up till this point. Like, Xenoblade 1, I think, it takes till, like, you get Dunban, like, after you go through the ether mines before it really feels like the game opens up. Mm-hmm. And this game does a similar thing. Like, it doesn't really feel like you're really, quote, playing the game yet until you get, like, Mithra. Yeah. And which is... Like 20 wild. hours into the game. Mm-hmm. It is, it's like shortly after you learn how to do the topple thing. Yeah. <laughs> which, as I mentioned, is already too long into the game, so... Uh... Yeah, but there's lots of cool shit oh, yeah, in yeah. here, and I didn't understand half of it. Like, well, I'm going to talk about this a lot more on the on the episode for three, um, because it feels like it's a very comparative thing. Three takes a lot from two um, in its design, like as far as combat goes. But two is this weird middle ground where I feel like it has of all three games, the most legs, like it's the combat system that can stay interesting for the longest. But everything is so minute and there are so many things. You have different blades, and we're about to talk about that in one goddamn second, Mm -hmm. uh, to choose from. You can put three on every character. Uh, You have accessories for your driver. You have pouch items, which apparently, according to sources that weren't me, Mm -hmm. uh, 
do a lot more than you think they do. They're worded in a really boring, stupid way that makes them seem useless. Mm. Uh, but they aren't. They're really apparently very powerful. Yeah, I remember always putting something new in the pouch every time it ran out. I remember never putting anything <laughs> in the pouch at all. Uh, your blades have, what are the affinity charts? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is as fucking intimidating as it sounds. Uh, there are ox cores and mm-hmm. other things, probably, <laughs> that I'm just forgetting about. Uh-huh. There's just a lot there to it. There are different weapons for the blades, too, mm-hmm. which is something I completely forgot about. Yeah, each blade has a different uh, weapon associated with them, and then if you put them on different drivers which are the people who control blades, Mm -hmm. Uh, they have different animations and different arts. Like, you get different attacks with them as well, which I didn't know through, I think, for like 80 hours of my playthrough. (laughs) I had no idea that was the case. Um, And it's just, it's so much, and it teaches you so little, and what it does teach you, it teaches you at the wrong time. (laughs) Yeah, to me, it came off... As a as an RPG that wanted to be for RPG nerds, mm. like it wanted to be really nitty gritty, and for the kind of people who want to really dig into a system and like learn it and have a lot of stuff to like do with that knowledge that yeah. they gain. Um, but yeah, it's to the average person, it's just gonna be like completely overwhelming. <laughs> and it was. Like, I do like the combat system, but yeah, like it feels like you go probably like 30 plus hours into it before you you feel like you understand what you're doing. Yeah, like confident. Yeah, like there is a boss that I got stuck on, um, which I don't remember how far into the game it was, but like I was just talking to you about it the other day. Mm -hmm. You're in this like wasteland area and it's like a big machine or something. And like you have to blade combo it to kill, or at least I did, to kill it or it would kill me. And um, it, it just, it took, and like that's, it felt like a, like a wall, like a, you have to prove yourself, like a DPS check, but, well, I guess it is a DPS check, because you have to do enough damage to kill it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like testing you to see if you understand the combat system well enough, and that's probably like 40 hours into the game <laughs> when they have that sort of thing to make sure you understand what's going on. Yeah, like the, the time that they do that, you've already... Um, this game, unlike Xenoblade 1, which had seven party members and three that has six... Uh, this game has five. It's the it's the smallest number of actual party members, which I think is supposed to reduce the complexity of your choices a bit. Yeah, I think it's fewer like drivers, fewer party members because there's so many blades. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise you'd be looking at like fucking ten million <laughs> yeah. d- like different then, options. Yeah, and then Tora only has t- three uh-huh. that he can use. So yeah, it, it seems like a an effort to, like, keep the scope manageable. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and how long into the game is it before you even get more Ag and Zeke? It's, like, forever into the game. Yeah. We, we just talked about uh, the the fight where you unlock Mitra, that boss fight, mm-hmm. um, and that is at the end of Uriah, which is the third titan. Yeah. You get more Ag at the end of Morardane, which is the fourth titan, and then you don't get Zeke until right before you go to the uh, the Imperium, mm-hmm. which is at the end of 
some of the what uh, the Lefarian Peninsula. That's it, or archipelago. Do some kind of landmass. Yeah, the archipelago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like this big long thing. Uh, or it's not the end. It's where you go there. Yeah. yeah Nobody yeah. gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's far into the game. It's pretty far into the game, um, and like you know from the very beginning that Zeke is going to join your party. Uh, Morag, I think, is is done better. Like, I, I, she doesn't like immediately scream. Will be a party member until mm-hmm. around the time that she joins up. So, uh, but yeah, you only have five party members uh, in this one as opposed to the other ones, and and so it it feels it's difficult to even tell what ch- differences your choices are making mm-hmm. because they well, feel so similar. Well, and there's so many. Mm-hmm. Like you can like switch different blades to different people and it's like hard to like and then yeah you don't get like you get an ability with rex um pretty far into the game that lets him use any blade Mm -hmm. and you don't know that so you'll lose like or you could use a bunch of override protocols to put blades on him and you don't need to do that (laughs) and uh the game doesn't tell you um and yeah it's hard to know like what blades are good on what character like there's some obvious things like you put healing blades on nia Mm -hmm. because she starts out with a healing blade um stuff like that but like it's hard to know like what you're doing it feels like yeah like am i going to regret this later is a thing you'll often think when you're trying to make decisions (laughs) about what to do with the blades in this yeah yeah because it feels like your decisions are well they're like semi permanent. Like you can change them, but it's gonna take like effort to do. Yeah, and sweet segue. Uh, the choice of what blade you're gonna put on what driver is literally random. Yeah, the way that you obtain the blades in this game is through a gachapon system, which there's been a lot of discussion on. From my understanding, I haven't participated in much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually love this system um, as a concept. I think I like. The fact that the weapons, essentially, that you're getting are coming from, like, a lottery system. I think probably some numbers could be tweaked here and there to make certain blades easier to get or harder to get. Um, But in my experience, I found it a really exciting system to use. um, Because you would... Maybe I'm a gambler at heart. I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, like, I would get somebody and they'd have a cool cutscene. And I'd be like, ooh, a special one. Mm -hmm. And then I would get excited and use them and check their charts and look at it and go, well, I guess I'm never doing that. So (laughs) this guy would go on mercenary missions for the whole game. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I don't know. I think I like it in practice a lot. Now, I like the system, too. Uh, I, I, I do feel like you get common blades a little too often. Uh, I feel like it should be a little bit easier to get all the special blades, because I know I gave up. Yeah, so did I. Um, I got a lot of them, but not all of them. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know. It Yeah, like you said, I would tweak some numbers, but I like it overall, too. Um, my, my I, I really like the system. I think, like, my biggest problems, like we've said so far, are I think they knew they had a complex system, so they decided to just spread out the tutorializing like way too far into the game, which I don't you would think that should have been like reworked uh-huh. to take up less of the game time so you could do more stuff earlier. Um so there's that, and then I <laughs> dislike the fact that the blades are mostly uh big titted anime ladies. <laughs> 
Uh, and that's when we get into that, the second yeah. main topic. The fact that you're collecting women is, like, very weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, it's it's weird because it straddles this line um, between where I find the... It's it's too traditional a Gashapon thing where some... but They just made a bunch of anime ladies uh, they they hired out designers from like, and this is a great idea, but apparently they only hired perverts <laughs> to do all the designs. But literally, the person who designed Pyra and Mithra is a hentai artist. Fascinating. Yeah. And by that, I mean unsurprising. <laughs> it is not at all surprising. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it seems like it was very intentional. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. And it, it was just a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> it was a huge amount over... The line of general comfort, I would say. I think uh, one of the most like egregious ones to me is, and this this will tie in a little bit later as well. I think the writing in this game is like good, serviceable to good at times. I think that certain parts of this game's story and its character writing are really strong, um, and then other times it's like kind of generic RPG stuff. Help monsters whatever yeah. i don't care uh but there's a, a quest line between two characters theory and praxis uh both of them are blades and when you meet them they're stealing core crystals to take back to a mercenary group uh and through whatever scenario you discover that like also a classic jrpg thing and friendship saves the day because you kill the driver when a driver dies a blade becomes a core crystal again you can pick it back up Mm -hmm. uh and you you kill one of their drivers and you get their core crystal it's praxis's i think um and then you take the uh the core crystal around eventually it awakens you can put it on somebody and then they become a blade and then it starts this quest where she (laughs) goes around uh and has these encounters with Theory, her opposite, uh, who's trying to get her back. And because uh, of a little bit of nudging on the driver's parts and the like, the unbreakable bond of friendship, they recognize each other. Uh, and she overcomes like the blade inherent amnesia problem mm-hmm. uh, and recognizes her and wants to convert her over to the good side, as we all knew was going to happen. Uh, and so you do. You kill her driver, or she does, because they, if they made Rex a 15-year-old boy kill somebody in cold blood, it would be a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, you awaken that core crystal, and you're like, wow, what a beautiful story of friendship and whatever. And then her model is, for no reason, her looking at you by turning a full 180 degrees around so that you can see her assless chaps that she wears. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's this whole big thing. And it just ends in a fucking butt shot that's really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a number of them. I don't know if you ever got the blade Electra. I didn't. Or no, it's not Electra. It's a different electric blade. Mm. But I awakened her on Zeke, and she's like this blonde, like bubbly blonde, like kind of classic cheerleader kind of design. And then she's got this tiniest little excuse for a mini skirt on. <laughs> With her butt just hanging out, she's, like, wearing a thong or whatever. Great. So if you ever use her, you're just, like, it's, like, to be on steroids. It's just, like, you're just looking at ass, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, while she runs around, and it's, like, 
I re- it, it's just uh, there's a lot of them like that. Like there's a blade that I really like called Sheba, who's mm-hmm. like a mermaid. Like in her whole things, like she's a spoiled rich girl. Yeah, and she's like in a bathtub, which is the coolest part about it. That like the whole bathtub like floats along <laughs> behind you. But like her like blade illustration is like her sitting in a way that like you can just like see like right up in between her legs. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like a very like supposed to be like sexy for the 14 year olds to put in the spank bank like <laughs> image uh and there's just so much of that yep one of my favorite blades in the game it's just it doesn't like hide it at all it's very much like you're supposed to be aroused <laughs> by this it's right on front street <laughs> yeah uh one of my favorite blades in the game uh for uh mechanical reasons is uh one called zenobia uh and i like her because her um full tree her like whatever uh affinity chart there it is uh every node is unlocked by beating a different unique monster um and i love that like i i like that it's the whole purpose of it is you just go to place to place and beat up strong things um and that plays into her story she's like uh she's a wind blade and i think that she's supposed to be like the wind god that those frogs are based off of in zelda oh yeah 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 uh i think that that's like the shared inspiration uh but she has this like weird i can't explain what it is it's like a feather boa or like a boa that's made out of a living ferret yeah i know i can i now remember what this girl looks like yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's just topless and the, and, the and it just covers. goes over it yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and it's just very, um, it's, it's funny. A lot of them are funny in how egregious they are. Yeah. I actually kind of like that design mm-hmm. because it reminds me of like, we talked about this in Hades where like Aphrodite and how oh, like yeah. the hair covers her boobs. It, it, it felt a little bit more tasteful and like an interesting design with that blade to me. But yeah. It's still, yeah. When you put it in a lineup with everything else, you know. It's hard to pick apart what makes it unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, let's not even talk about the male blades, because there aren't any. Yeah, there's what Wolfric, who's a big monster. <laughs> yep, Dagus, who's like a dick ass. Yeah, like I, le- I legitimately don't think I unlocked like any male blades that weren't yeah. Wolfric. Like there was like him, and like there's like a little bird one mm-hmm. that may have been male. Actually, is female. I was, okay. and also counts as humanoid for the mercenary oh, mission. I guess Boreas, who's kind of like a robot. Yeah, Boreas <laughs> is like a little kid. Yeah. no pawn. In the form of the big of Big Hero Six, yeah, like um, Baymax, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you had a couple of male blades, and I remember being like, ah, oh, yeah. They added I some in. I didn't get like any of those. <laughs> they added some in DLC. Like I used mm. Corvin, who uh, is like a light blade. Yeah, there might have been one other guy that had kind of like fire hair or something that I don't remember his name that I might have also gotten. But like that's it. Uh, Godfrey? Maybe. I don't remember. I don't, I'm not going to remember. Yeah, I don't remember. That also could be an Elden Ring yeah. thing. Maybe it was Godric, <laughs> the grafted. But yeah, there's like, maybe like, what, 2% of the blades are male? <laughs> yeah, it's like really small. I mean, except for the common blades, which are obviously the half and half. Yeah. Um, and I guess to, to close out the design thing, I think that the, cl- the common blades all look so boring. Oh, yeah. Like, it's weird... I don't know if I had seen them as, like, if they had just had one of them as a character in the game, and it wasn't tied to the Blade system at all, if I would have thought that it was a cool design, 
or if it's just the fact that there's millions of them that I don't like them. I think it's kind of supposed to look like a blank robot. Yeah. Almost like a mannequin or something. But then there's also dog ones for no reason. <laughs> uh, which are the only ones that count as animals. Yeah. Uh, which is fucking weird. Um, but yeah, that's there you go. That's, those are blades. And so we've been talking an awful lot about this and how complex everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this really impacts the story. And this is probably my biggest problem with the game overall. Is they go for like a very like lean really hard into like anime tropes with the story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with anime and all that. But I'm about to complain a bunch. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> It's just, like, there's so many, like, proper nouns and, like I said, word salad earlier, and it's all right in integral to the story. So you end up with, like, all this dialogue of people talking about blades and drivers and, like, all, like, the mechanics of the game, like, in the dialogue and the story in a way that just, like, I find just, like, bad. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I really can't stand it. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me. I find the way that I describe this, I think, uh, when I first started, like when I was like midway through the game, is I felt that Xenoblade 2 tried to write a more mature story and handled it in the most immature way possible. Um, And I still agree with that, but for totally different reasons. But the thing that you're hitting on that is absolutely the probably the biggest problem with the game, in addition to the fact that Pyra's booty shorts make every scene impossible to take seriously, mm-hmm. um, is just that the the whole like the nitty gritty the in the every moment of the game, the dialogue is really hard to follow. Uh, and it gets confusing unless you bank all the information, and even when you do bank the information, it still will just throw you a weird curveball or do a flashback, and suddenly you don't know what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. There were lots of parts of the game that I just completely ignored. Um, it's like usually in games like this, um, like fantastical action games and RPGs and stuff, like... A lot of the gameplay stuff, I think, is, like, abstractions of, like, what's happening. And Xenoblade 2 was like, well, what if it was all literal? <laughs> um, and it, it, it was really important to this world, and everyone talked about the mechanics of the game all the time. Um, yeah, and it just, it, it's hard to describe, but it just feels like the most unnatural dialogue. Yeah. I do... In a lot of cases. Here's here's my my meager pushback. Uh-huh. I find the what they do with blades on a conceptual level to be really good. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that they very quickly establish this question of like, how do we treat blades? Are blades people or are they a tool, an object? Blades seem to Everybody wants to fuck their blade. Uh, oh, yeah. It just seems to be a universal thing that if you have a blade, you want to fuck yeah, it. You get and the blade to it. Yeah, will marry you and probably wants to fuck you as well. Fucking mm-hmm. uh, Pyra Mytho- Mithra want to fuck Rex, who's 15. <laughs> and uh, Pandora wants to fuck Zeke. And Zeke wants to keep her out of a weirdly dark uh, <laughs> like human trafficking scene. 
that doesn't it's not like an actual scene of human trafficking he just mm-hmm. describes it in a flashback uh which i guess is a thing i had recently read this book uh about people who farm and eat people and they referred to when people would take the farmed humans and have sex with them as enjoying them. And it was like a capital offense mm-hmm. uh, in the society as it was set up. And I felt like there were a lot of people who were enjoying their <laughs> blades in this game. Uh, and it's really strange. Uh, <laughs> but they show blades to have this like a, a very passive personality, but also a sense of autonomy. There are blades that go and do shit without their drivers and people just treat them like regular people. But then other people are trying to sell core crystals. You mentioned Shiva. You have to buy her crystal for 500000 goddamn dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's, like, ecstatic about it. She's like, thank you for spending a lot of money on my life. <laughs> and it's really strange, you know, in a conceptual way. But you play it and you go, oh, whatever. Uh, but then when it bleeds into the story, like you said, it does feel like they're putting the game mechanics in as a thing that's why she's so excited because you grinded money for her like yeah it's it's really on the nose yeah now i like a lot of like the world building stuff they do with it and like the fact that they actually like ask the questions like that about Mm. like the ethics of blades and stuff (laughs) Uh, i think that's all pretty cool but like i think and i won't go into it because it's xenoblade 3 comparison but like i think they do a much better job of like having the Ouroboros be like a big part of the story and the world and like not having it be like, like ham fistedly talked about every second in the dialogue, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. just like a much more natural integration where, and I think that Xenoblade two really drops the ball for me with just how much it's always talked about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, I think. I I think there's a lot of... That's what makes the main story feel so kind of trite. I don't know if that's the word for it. Like, not... Yeah, it's like the... I think the overall story is fine, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. as we said, it's, like, pretty, like, classic JRPG plot. It's the moment-to-moment stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Like, like you go into the... There's, like, the part that I was watching you play that you hated. You go into that (laughs) cave in the archipelago... That's like a trial um, set up by Adam to retrieve like the legendary blade or whatever. And it's like literal like gameplay. It's like it takes away your ability to use like what ether arts or something. It's uh, or your special moves. Like don't charge up. It's like it literally does a gameplay mechanic thing, which sounds like it could be cool. But like it's not done in like a. Yeah, it's just so literal. Yeah. You know, it's not done in, like, an interesting way. Like, oh, they've conjoined, like, gameplay and narrative, you know? (laughs) It's just, like... I mean, I'm going to give that part... I mean, I hated that part. First of all, fuck that part. Second of all, I want to give it a little bit of credit because what they do say is, like, uh, is that, oh, like, this... There's a gas that weakens your blades. Uh, And I'm sure it's not a gas. It's (laughs) some other thing. Yeah. Um, But... It was like, I went through, and I didn't know what the differences were, but then when I realized, like, oh, I can't start blade combos because of this and that, I was like, okay, I weakened it, and I was like, oh, the specials aren't charging past one. And so it encourages you you to use Torah. That's the worst part of it, is Uh that you have to use Torah. Um, 
And this is going to, I guess, show how little I fucking know about the, knew about the mechanics. I'm aware, because uh, I played it blind, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hated Torah because of a lot of things. Um, while we're on the subject of the story, uh-huh. because I just agree with all the things that you said, uh-huh. essentially, um, I have to mention uh, that whoever wrote this, I don't know if Takahashi is like head honcho on all story writing um but whoever it is has to have like a wheelbarrow for their big balls to have the fucking gall to make napons such a large part of the story this is the worst part of the game to me <laughs> is that they from the beginning of the game the, the lead villain that isn't mm. Jin and Malos is this fucking guy. Chairman Banna. Chairman Banna. <laughs> and like, Napons didn't get less annoying. They did in three. They made them less annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got more annoying in two. And then they put them everywhere. Uh, there's like, Tora's whole shtick is terrible. We can just agree with this. Like, mm-hmm. Tora being like a weird pervert (laughs) is not a good look for your your protagonist especially because it isn't like it's just a lot of scenes like sitcom scenes of them like oh we opened the the, your closet and all this lube and tissues fell out (laughs) and Tori going like oh poppy do a dance to distract him uh, and then she's like, okay, I'm initiating sexy dance protocol that you, Tora, taught me to do so that you can jerk your little napon to it. Uh, <laughs> and it would just do this over and over and over again. And then you go through the the thing of, oh, it's Poppy, and then it becomes Poppy QT. Um which is stupid, but we can look past it. It's the least offensive thing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do essentially all the same jokes a second time when Poppy QT shows up. And then she becomes Poppy QT Pie if you do a special side quest. Mm-hmm. That God help me, I don't know why I did. Because uh, I don't use Tora. <laughs> so it wasn't that helpful. And then they just make all the same jokes a third time and have a real tedious side quest. Uh, which we'll get into in a year when we talk about the game on a full episode. Yeah, yeah. Just like to to come back to it, like it, it does. It it very much leans into like anime tropes in that way. Mm-hmm. Like you have like the perverted character, uh, which is a staple of anime, uh, but usually it's an old man. In th- this case, it is a uh, Nopon. Yes. <laughs> um, I do kind of really like Tora's design, though. I like that he's so big and that he's got little overalls on. No, that's great. Um, but uh, yeah, like it just it leans really hard into them, and like you have like the characters like saying the names of their attacks, which is you know also standard fare in RPGs. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's turned up to eleven in this. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know, it just has, it, the list is three miles long. You have, like, um, Zeke and Pandoria, who are obviously referencing Jesse and James, <laughs> and even blast off again every time that you meet them until they join the party. Um, and yeah, I, it, it's so egregious and, like, off-putting, I think, if you don't, aren't expecting it. Yeah. Uh, going in, and, uh, I, I've heard it suggested, and this is a topic for 
if we do a full episode because I think we could talk about it for a long time. Yeah. But I've heard it suggested by people that it's like intentional parody. Um, and I want you to chew on that for a while. Yeah, until um, we do this I, I still don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to come across as if I'm saying that I don't think that there can be a pervert in the game. Mm-hmm. I think that's a valid character type, but I think you have to handle it in at all yeah. and the game doesn't no yeah it wants to have its cake and eat it too mm-hmm. like it wants to be like aha you know shame shame on torah for jerking it to a sex robot that he but, built uh, that he built and programmed to have sex with him <laughs> um and then like but then make her like a sexy robot lady when you would fully upgrade her mm-hmm. you know like the like the whole game like it wants to have its cake and eat it too like it wants it, it just makes Pyra and Mithra, like, super crazy, sexy, you know, like, ladies in these skimpy little outfits. And then, especially with with Mi- or Pyra, makes her personality, like, not at all match. And, like, makes it, like, you know, it, like, looks down its nose at you and, like, criticizes you for, like, looking at them, even though it's framing them in such a way for you to look at them. Yep, it's uh, exactly like that sequence from uh Danganronpa that we talked about where if you do a certain like quest or whatever they take you in and your character spies on the the female characters in the like bathhouse oh, the love hotel or whatever it, no it's actually oh. a different thing oh okay i don't blame you for forgetting this cuz it's real <laughs> stupid but then they go back and they're like oh but your character didn't stick around to watch any of that <laughs> you fuck like you can't blame me yeah. for what you did <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm just an ignorant american white man but uh i think this is just a thing in in japanese culture where like you see this because you see it in like uh in anime and stuff all the time like final fantasy 15 also comes to mind like you have cindy who's the this game's version of sid and like you know works on your car and whatever and she's like dressed in this like sexy you know jerk off material outfit once again (laughs) and like all the male characters act like she's not like she's just like a like a asexual being that they're not super attracted to <laughs> except for prompto who mm-hmm. expresses you know real human attraction and to to an american audience he's the only one that seems normal and like he has blood pumping in his veins uh-huh. um and then all the other characters are like oh fucking prompto so immature <laughs> for being attracted to the beautiful woman uh-huh. you know and like yeah they like chide him for it yeah I I can't speak on that because I played about I played up to the fishing part of <laughs> Xenoblade, of, of Xenoblade fifteen. I got the advanced uh, copy. We're recording this from the year twenty eighty. <laughs> yeah, of uh, of Final Fantasy fifteen. But yeah, I feel like it is kind of a common thing where it's just like they do a thing that's obviously exaggerated in a way that's difficult to take seriously, and then blame you the audience for going along with the thing that they did yep or just assuming that you are going along with it because i sure wasn't (laughs) most of the time uh uh we had a lot of we said a lot of complaints and Mm -hmm. then we ran out of time so do we have any (laughs) quick hits of things that we want to talk about i don't think so i I think we we covered it pretty thoroughly for for bonus episode yeah (laughs) Uh, I do want to shout out, I think, some things that the game did that I liked. 
I like the simplified arts palette. I, I like the fact that you only have a few things and switching between blades is cool um, as far as combat goes. Uh, and I think blade quests are a really good idea. Um, unfortunately, they didn't give any of the blades a personality I could possibly give a shit about, barring like two or three. Um, but I like the concept of having these more expansive quests to learn about your side characters. And thankfully, they brought them back in three. And we'll talk about it then. Uh, so don't need to go too far into it. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of the standout things for me. I think I enjoyed my time with two, um, but just less than the first game by a good bit. And it's like the opposite of a game that I would recommend to people. Because, yeah. Because I feel like it would reflect on me. Yeah. You're embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel the same. Um, I, I actually, like, I do really like the idea of the blade system. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be tutorialized better. And maybe streamlined a bit, but like I, it makes me want to see them try the idea again. Because like in the DLC too, they have like a system where like you switch back and forth fighting as fighting as the driver and the blade, which was cool. Mm-hmm. So I still think yeah, like the system as you said has legs, and I would like to see something like it in the future. It, I just hope that the the tone and the theming are different. <laughs> uh, and let's talk about what they did in the future connected next time uh so thank you for listening to our bonus episode this week what are we talking about next time next time we're gonna be talking about xenoblade chronicles 3 uh so check that out for the full version of this essentially where we 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 try not to compare back too much uh until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find links to our Twitter, our uh, our email, our YouTube, uh, and all of our old episodes, including episodes on, hey, Xenoblade Chronicles 1, uh, Definitive Edition, Final Fantasy X uh, mm-hmm. has an X in it. That's good. Um <laughs> Chrono Trigger. I don't uh, yeah. what other RPGs we've done. Uh, we've done a lot. Yeah. Dark Souls. <laughs> Dark Souls not, Persona not, 5. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think. Like, I feel like we've done a fair amount of RPGs, but uh, it's hard to pick the ones that, like, relate to Xenoblade the most. Yeah. I guess Dragon Age. It's got, like, a party of characters that their friendship is uh, uh, emphasized, and also the it has, like, a kind of, like, an arts palette combat system. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck Tiger Tiger. See you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking about a joke, and I'm going to give it a shot, and we'll edit it out if it's bad. All right. I think keep it in if it's bad. Oh, edit okay. it out if it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here it goes. Hopefully it's not too good.